God is continuing to mess with me. And uh, how many of you believe that God in his spirit visited us last Sunday? I heard uh, that during the message last week, uh, a young man leaned over to his mom and said, Mom, something's wrong with Pastor Brock this morning. (laughs) Yeah. And I say praise God for that, that uh, something has been wrong with me and God is dealing with me, and I pray that he's dealing with you as well. Some of you may be here today just to see what Pastor Brock's going to do today. Um, And uh, so just hang in there with me and, and you'll see the journey that we're on church I believe that God is giving us an opportunity here at the mill to see something new. Say that again. I believe God's given us an opportunity for something new here at the mill. Amen? I believe God wants to breathe a fresh wind and a fresh fire into our midst and through our doors. Like me, I believe many of you are being stirred, perhaps messed with. We don't like to be messed with. But you too have found yourself wanting more of him, more of God. That you're hungry for more of him. The status quo will no longer do. That you are perhaps discontent, you're dissatisfied with how things are with your spiritual temperature. We talked about last week how we need a creating God to show up again, to once again create something new within our midst. And after last Sunday, some of you may have been asking, now what? And I've been asking God, and I've been asking myself that this week. God, now what do you want from us? So let's continue on to wherever God is taking us. Many of us parents just recently had our 8th grade children return from the Washington, D.C. trip. And uh, they had a, a great time. I believe there's probably about five or six, seven kids here that went on that trip. And much of their time was spent visiting the memorials and the museums in Washington, D.C., the Smithsonian and things like that. Um, and how appropriate on a Memorial Day that uh, we're talking a little bit about this. Um, but I want to focus on the word museum for just a few moments. What is a museum? I looked up the definition of the museum, and the museum is a building in which objects of historical, scientific, artistic, or cultural interest are stored or are on display. Typically, items in a museum are from the past, things that were of great significance in past societies, but may not necessarily be used today. When we first moved back to the area about two and a half years ago, uh, Parker was going into his freshman year and Jenna was going into her sixth grade year. Uh, We got here just a few days before the school year started, and uh, we tried to get Jenna enrolled in at Miller Avenue, being in town, but they were, they were full. So we had to take her out to Regersville. 
and enroll her out there. And that first year, um, we decided to drive her back and forth to school most of the year. But um, I'll never forget something that I saw um, the very first time that I took Jenna to school. Uh, some of you will know what I'm referring to. But as you go into Ragersville, you pass a church um, on, I believe, the left. I don't know if you all recognize that church, but that is the Emmanuel Lutheran Church that was established in 1897. It's the classic rural American church set in a beautiful setting out in the country. But the thing that stood out to me the most on that first day that I took Jen out to school, the thing that stood out to me the most was the sign out front of that church. For you see, no longer was it the Emmanuel Lutheran Church, but now the building was home to the Ragersville Historical Society and Museum. And I thought, how sad. Not that I have anything against museums. You know how I feel about history. I, I, I love history. I love the history of our country. Not that I have anything against historical societies or anything against museums. But I was sad because no church should be anything but a house of worship unto God. Approximately 80% of churches today in America have plateaued or are in decline. 80% of the churches, 8 out of 10 churches out there, they have plateaued or they are in a state of decline. 4,000 churches are started in America every year. 4,000. That's hard to believe, isn't it? Now, that sounds awesome, that sounds great, but whenever you hear that 7,000 close their doors every year, something's wrong. Something's wrong. What's happening? Why are so many buildings, so many churches cleaning out their buildings and locking the doors for good? Could be a, a number of reasons. Maybe a scandal rocked the church and it split them and... They had to close the doors. Maybe there was no real emphasis put on children or the youth group. And so they weren't bringing in the younger generation. And so eventually a lot of the people passed away that were there and they had to close the doors. Perhaps they became too inward focused and there was no focus on lives outside of the church. Research tells us that the average church will spend 82 to 96% of their budget of their finances on themselves. Do you hear that? 82 to 96% of the finances are spent on the church on themselves. They're too inward focused. Maybe the Great Commission had been forgotten. The vast majority of growth comes from those who switch churches and conversions are few and far between, it seems, nowadays. Or perhaps some of these churches just said that we don't want anything new. We don't want to change. We just want to keep things the way they are. Author and researcher Gary McIntosh 
said that one of the biggest reasons that churches are in decline today is they refuse to change. They refuse to change. But then my sadness took on a different meaning altogether whenever I saw what the sign out front of that Lutheran church actually says. Yes, it's the Regersville Historical Society and Museum, but look what it really says. Regersville Historical Society Museum and School Museum open on Sundays. <laughs> you see the play on words there just a little bit? And I thought to myself, as I drove Jenna out, I thought, here is a building that used to be a church, and it's still open on Sundays, but not as a church, but as a museum. And I thought, how many churches are open on Sundays, and they're open as a church, but they're actually just museums? The people and the activities inside are merely artifacts or displays from the past. There's no longer an active, living, breathing spirit that takes place within the church. There's no life. There's no excitement. There's no spiritual power in that building. And if the truth be told, there's probably numerous reasons why these churches have closed their doors. But I'd have to believe that there is one common denominator that, that, that applies to all of them. One, one reason that, or one factor that has gone into all of them closing their doors, and I believe it's this one thing, this one factor. The church stopped praying. The church stopped praying. Think about it. And yes, those of you who are in our Wednesday night study, you know God's still messing with me with this. When prayer ceases to be the driving force behind the church, the main things cease becoming the main things. When God's people stop crying out to God to lead them, to move them, to change them, then the Holy Spirit slowly fades into the background. And instead of following the Holy Spirit, we've told Him that He needs to follow us. Which the Holy Spirit will never do. He would leave a church before he has to follow the people. And in many cases, that's exactly what has happened in churches all across our land. The Holy Spirit has left. All the church may be working as hard as ever. They may be as busy as ever. But there's no power. There's no real focus. There's no true spirit leading. There's no true spirit moving. There's no Holy Spirit desperation. Before they know it, nothing new has happened. It's been years since God has breathed something fresh and new. And then the churches just go into a maintained mode and soon the doors close. Pastor, what are you trying to tell us? What are you trying to say? Pastor, I believe things are going well here. I believe there's a good spirit here. And I believe that as well. But I say this. 
I want more. And if we're not careful, Bars Mail, we too can be lulled into a spiritual sleep. We can be lulled into becoming a spiritual museum if we're not careful. And I'm convinced now more than ever that prayer is the key to it all, church. It's the key to it all. We may be able to keep the doors open. We may be able to have services and activities. We can keep the offering plates going around. We can keep singing and keep hearing sermons. But leave out prayer and all that will be is a glorified museum. Somebody say amen. Our prayer life as individuals and as a body must become the barometer of the Bars Mill Church of God. Our prayer life will be the gauge by which we will be judged and by which we will judge success or failure because that will be the measure by which God blesses us with. Prayer, prayer will determine your future. It will determine our future as a church. Hmm. For you see our commitment to earnest And desperate prayers is how God will do a new thing in your individual life. And in me and in us. Our commitment to prayer is how God will bring salvation to our loved ones. Our commitment to prayer is how God is going to save our spouses, our children. How he's going to save our marriages. How he's going to save our families. It's how he will deliver us and or sustain us from the current difficulties that you and I may be in. It gives us faith and victory while we wait on God's answer is prayer, prayer, prayer. This is a hard message because prayer is a hard thing. It's not an easy thing. It's, it's not something that you just close your eyes for a minute or two and thank God for his blessings and God help me and just be very general about it. No, you have to press in. Prayer can be a very difficult thing, but the rewards are eternal. Rewards will blow us away. You and I are in this building today because people prayed. Because people years ago paid the price. We are where we are today because of past. And you want more of God? Earnest and desperate prayers is how you will get it. May we not forget that prayer is how God started it all. In Genesis 4, 25-26, And Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son named and named him Seth. For God has appointed another seed for me instead of Abel. Abel, whom Cain killed. And as for Seth, to him also his son was born, and he named him Enosh. Then men began to call on the name of the Lord. Did you catch that last sentence? Early on, early on, men began to call on the name of the Lord. You see, God's first people were not called Jews. They were not called children of Israel. They were not called Hebrew. But God's original people were called those who called on the name of the Lord. That's right. About 2,000 years ago, 
A little over a hundred people gathered in, a, in an upper room, including the disciples. And they were waiting on the promise of the Father. Jesus said, go and wait, tarry there while you wait for the promise of the Father. And what were they doing as they waited? They were praying and praising God. They were praying and praising God. And soon the Holy Spirit came, filled everyone in the room, and 3,000 people were saved. You see, the church was not born out of preaching. It was not born out of singing. The church was born when people prayed. Yes. Born when people pray. When you picture Jesus, what images come to mind? I could go around the room and we would probably be similar on many things. With me, uh, the cross, uh, an empty tomb, a, a risen Savior, um, Jesus lovingly healing the sick. Raising the dead to life. One of the things that comes to my mind is, is children. Children flocking to Jesus. And, and I have a feeling that Jesus kind of played roughhouse with them a little bit. And got, had fun with them. And they were all over him. And they were tussling about. And some of those images, uh, the images of Jesus and his love and compassion come to mind. But there's one picture that doesn't really compute. There, there's one image of Jesus that, that's uh, uh, difficult for us to handle, and it's when Jesus came into the temple. If you want to read with me, turn to Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. I know we had a lot of things in our, services, our service today, and I will get through this, but don't miss what God wants to reveal to us today. Mark chapter 11. Verse 15, verse 15, it says 15 through 18 on the screen. We will just read those through 17. So they came to Jerusalem, and then Jesus went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. You know this story. And he would not allow anyone to carry wares through the temple. Then he taught, saying to them, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations? But you have made it a den of thieves. What caused Jesus to be so un-Jesus-like? This doesn't fit our view of Jesus, does it? What caused him to be so irate on this day? To turn the tables upside down, scattering all the money everywhere, to chase the merchants and the money changers out of there, out of the temple area. What caused him to say to them, get out, get out, all of you? He did realize, after all, that the merchants and the money changers were really providing a service that was needed for the temple. See, people came from all over and they had to give their sacrifices to God in order for their sins to be cleansed and to be forgiven. They had to have an animal to present to the priest so they could sacrifice it so that God would consider their sacrifice worthy. So that they, did Jesus not know that, that they needed this, that they were needed there in the temple? What 
is he doing? Who does he think he is? But you see what these merchants and money changers were doing. They were robbing the people by adding huge gouging surpluses and surcharges and taxes onto the people, making it nearly impossible for them to do what God wanted them to do. They had taken the original purpose of God's house and corrupted it so that it no longer resembled what God wanted. And it was being used for purposes other than what was intended. And what was God's house intended to be? Was it intended to be a place where messages are preached? No. Was it a place where singers and musicians get up and sing and play? Not really. Well, maybe it's a place to where teachers can teach. Not necessarily. How about different classrooms and have programs that go on? Not, not really. He said, my father's house is to be a house of prayer. Listen, church, if you want to see God move in this place, if you want to see lives transformed, if you want to see people getting baptized behind me, if you want to see people grow in their walk with God, the Bars Mill Church of God must first and foremost be a house of prayer. A house of prayer. That's why I'm trying to set up different ways, different opportunities for us to pray. I talked about this last week. Men, the first Saturday of every month, we meet here at 7 o'clock to pray before we go over to breakfast. The third Saturday of every month, men, I will be here at 9 o'clock at night to pray, to walk up and down the aisles and to anoint these pews and to pray that God's Spirit fills this place. I believe there are women who come in here every Sunday morning about quarter after, 20 after, 8 I believe that it is, to pray. We have created a prayer time here from 9.45 to 10.15 to just come and pray. If you look at your bulletin sometime in the next couple of weeks throughout the summertime, on Wednesday we're going to come here and just pray. It's We need to begin calling out to God, church. And I don't. Forgive me for saying this. I don't expect a full house. But come if this message resonates with you. Come if you believe that prayer is the answer for anything and all things. Trying to create opportunities for us to pray as a body, as a church together. It can't, it can't be only that. You must have your intense prayer time at, in your life. My father's house is to be a house of prayer. You see, Jesus is not Jesus is not really impressed with our abilities. Are you saying, Pastor Brock, that God doesn't want me to you no. We all have talents, we all have abilities, and you should be using your talents and your abilities in the church. Stephanie got up a little bit today and made a plea for that. We need help. There are areas in our church to where we need helpers. We are short on people. Some of you need to ask God, God, what do you want me to do in the church? 
It's time that I use the abilities that you've given me. But God, now listen to me, God is not as much concerned about what we do in his church as why we do it. Everything that we do should be bathed and birthed in prayer. Maybe this message hasn't been preached too often and it's, you're trying to let it soak in. I don't know. Everything you and I do should be bathed and birthed in prayer. For me, it's not so much that I'm a pastor, but why am I a pastor? And I include myself in this next one as well, but singers and musicians... God's not nearly as concerned whether or not we are on our notes, but why are we on our notes? Why are we even up here singing and playing? Elders and deacons, it's not so much what role do you play on the board, but why do you even feel called to serve? Teachers, God is not as concerned about how you teach as much as He is and why you Teach. See, Jesus is saying the aroma around my father's house must be that of people who are opening their hearts in prayer and worship and intercession. May everything we do here in this building and in this building, you got that? May everything that we do in this building and in this building come out of prayer. Preaching, music, reading, and teaching of the Word, they're all important things that I agree with, things that we need to be doing. But they must never override prayer as the defining mark of God's dwelling. Listen, last week was birth because I want more of God. I want to see Him do incredible things in this church. But it's not going to happen unless Brock pays a price on his knees. And it's not going to happen unless you join with me on your knees as well. Not going to happen. We can come in here week after week and make it a social hour and do some nice things and some good things, but until we get serious with prayer, we better be careful that we don't slide down a slippery slope. And let me just say this. God's going to hold me accountable. God's going to hold Brock Daniel Barnhouse accountable on the day of judgment. How did I lead the Barsmill Church of God? Did I do things to, as we talked about last week, build neat groups, cell groups, different kind of ministries? Put in a cafe, that ought to build the church, right? Neat kind of studies and programs and concerts. and Or did I do my best to lead you to be a people of prayer? I will have to give account of that. You want more of God. You want God to do a new thing in your life and in your ministry. Without prayer being the major factor in our lives, I believe that we'll just go through the motions. And we'll just never experience the power of the Holy Spirit.
I said this, this last week in our prayers, and I heard this statement a lot long ago, and I'm going to be closing here in a few moments. Real life begins at the end of our comfort zones. Get that? Real life begins at the end of our comfort zones. Every single one of us in here has a comfort zone. There are some things if someone were to approach you to do, you go, oh, I can't do that. There's no way I can do that. I'm not in my personality to do that. But you and I both know what it's like to step out of those zones. What I'm doing right now, preaching, man, a couple of years ago, I thought, there ain't no way I'm going to be able to do this. You can't get me behind that pulpit. Just put me behind the keyboard. I'm happy. I'm content there. I know how to play in the key of F, and I can sing a little bit here and there, and I can do that. But don't ask me to preach. And God said, I didn't ask you to do what you can do. I asked you to do what I can do through you. Don't, don't you want to do something other than your comfort zone? Isn't there, isn't there something, uh, you know, Jenna, she's been to Cedar Point two times now, like the last week and a half. And Jenna never used to, she used to hate roller coasters. Now she's all for them, she's, she's gangbusters, and she just can't wait to get back there. And you know what that moment's like whenever you look at that roller coaster and, and you say to yourself, there ain't no way I'm going on that thing. But then something just taps in your heart. You think, but maybe I can, maybe I will. And you get in line and your heart's beating and you get in the seat and you're thinking, I can't believe I'm doing this. What am I doing? Am I crazy? What's going on? And then you take off through that and you get to the end of it and you're like, man, I'm so glad I did that. In a spiritual way, don't you want to do that? Don't you want to get to a place in your life to where you're not living in your comfort zone? Get out of your comfort zones. Ask God to do a new thing in your life. And that's scary, isn't it? Church, that's the only way we're going to see great things happen is if we get serious about prayer and we got, let God mess with us. Let God get us out of our comfort zones. Real life begins at the end of our comfort zones. If you want more, prayer is how it's going to happen. Speaking along those lines, and I'll end with this illustration and be done. I know some of you will know this guy as soon as I put his picture up there. You know who that guy is? Yeah. Brian, I think you've seen him a few times, haven't you? That's uh, Steve Jobs of Apple. Computer, Apple phone, everything, iPhone, whatever, Apple. There's a story that years ago, before Apple really got big, when Apple was falling onto hard times, uh, that man, Steve Jobs, he uh, was living in Silicon Valley, California, and he made a trip to New York City to try and, to, uh, to try and convince this man, John Scully, who was then the chairman and executive officer of Pepsi, or PepsiCo at the time. He went to New York to try and convince that man to join Apple, to join his forces with the Apple company. And as the two men overlooked Scully's penthouse atop of New York's skyline, the PepsiCo exec was very reluctant, and he began declining Steve Jobs' offer. He told Steve, he said, Steve, he said, you would have to give me a million-dollar salary, a million-dollar bonus, and a million-dollar severance pay. Steve Jobs, this was early in the days of Apple. Steve Jobs said he gulped, and he said, okay, I'll do that. 
Steve Jobs says, I'll need you to move on out to Silicon Valley. And John Scully said, no. He said, I'm just going to be, if I agree to do this, I'm just going to be an advisor from here in New York City. And Steve Jobs recognized that he was not ready to buy in. He was not 100% into this deal. And so Steve Jobs took a chance and he looked at John Scully and he challenged him and he said this. He said, man, do you want to spend the rest of your life selling sugared water or do you want to change the world? Do you want to spend the rest of your life selling sugared water or do you want to change the world? In his autobiography, Scully admitted that Steve's challenge, quote, knocked the wind right out of me. He said that he had become so preoccupied with his life there in New York that an opportunity to change the world nearly passed him by. Church, do you want more? I do. I want to be involved with more than just making sugared water. Activities, stuff, things that really will not impact eternity. When I went into my office this week and I asked that question, now what, God? God, I kind of laid myself out there last week. Now what is it that you want of me? When I first sat down to begin this message and I really didn't know where God was going to take me, I said, God, now what do you want? you know what he told me? Pray more. Pray more. And then he said, get my people to pray more. I want to do a new thing, not just in your life, Brock, but I want to do a new thing in the life of Bars Mill, but it's going to require more prayer. And I thought, but God, I, I can't ask them to do that. God, these people are already stressed out enough. You're already busy enough. How can I ask you to pray more If we want revival for our personal life, revival for our church, for our families, I know I can include family, I can include our towns, I can include our state, our country, and that needs to be in there as well. But folks, it has to start with us as individuals. As you're waiting on God to deliver you from whatever trial or difficulty that you're going through, God is telling us that you need to pray more. Get, dig into his word more. Praise him and trust him more. So yeah, I'm going to do what he asked me to tell you. I'm going to ask you to pray more. Maybe some of you just need to start praying. Maybe there's more time for breakfast, on your breakfast or your ride to work or back from work or maybe during your lunch period or before you go to bed at night, you can, you can find more time. Now listen to me. This is the message. The spirit, the atmosphere is a little bit different this morning than it was last year, but, but, but listen to me. This is the message that Satan does not want me to preach. Because what I have just done, what I just did is I threw down the gauntlet on Satan's kingdom. Because his word and prayer, he cannot defend. 
There's nothing he can do to defeat that. You, you put a praying body of believers in front of him and he has to cower. He cannot win with that. And he, maybe this is one of the reasons he kind of fought with me this week is, uh, don't, don't deliver this message. But do you know what he dreads even more than me preaching this message is if we do it. Is if we do it. If we actually pray, he will, now listen, he will throw all kinds of obstacles our way, won't he? You know that. Many of you have been around long enough. He will throw all kinds of obstacles away. He will make you this week, he will make you busier than you've ever been. He may even cause you to just have a bad attitude. And just be irritated just at the time when you thought you were going to start praying or, or pray more or add more time. Something will happen that might make you irritated. That will cause division within the home. Some of you may even uh, find that you're irritated at me for whatever the reason. I don't know. That happens in the family of God. I don't know. But that is the key. So... We're going to do it. Right. If, um, if you're willing to take that challenge, I have to do it. And I'm going to lead the way. And I'm going to find more time in my life. Somehow, some way, I've got to find more time to pray because I want more of God. I'm not content. I'm not satisfied with just the mundane. And I understand that I can't deliver one or two messages and just expect things to just bust out. I know there has to be a price to be paid before God really breaks out and does neat things in our life. But I know one thing, don't stop praying. Whatever need, whatever burden is in your life, keep praying, keep knocking, keep seeking, keep asking, keep believing as well. What do you want God to do in your life? you just want to settle for sugared water or do you want to help change the world for God? If you're willing to take that challenge with me, with God's help, I want you to stand right now. And we're going to close. If you're willing to take that challenge, I know this is a message to where, well, if everybody stands, then I have to stand as well. That's between you and God. But I'm going to lead us in a word of prayer. Let's pray. Lord God, this week's atmosphere is a little different from last week, but Lord, it is no less important. Lord, I don't know if we fully realize what we've gotten ourselves into because we have entered a realm that is exciting yet dangerous. Because we know that the evil one does not want this to happen. Anything but prayer. Sing more hymns. Sing more, sing, sing, sing more of the newer stuff. Eliminate this. Take that away. Or do this. But don't, don't pray. Don't, don't let them pray. God, there are souls in the balance this morning depending upon our prayer life.
There are families that are in the balance that depend upon our prayer life. There are marriages, God, that are hanging in the balance that depend on our prayer life. God, the future of the Bars Mill Church of God, Lord, we don't want to just be open on Sundays, but yet really be a museum where there's no spiritual power. There's nothing active and alive happening. God, not on my watch. Lord, not while you've called me here. I'm going to do my best, God. God, I'm not perfect, but I want to be a man of prayer. I want to read about it in other guys and and ladies' lives and in other books. Lord, I want to be about prayer. Lord, I pray that you would help us all this morning. Lord, we're all standing here. Lord, you know the hearts that are represented here this morning. You know know the intentionality that they have. You know the sincerity that they have. God, I pray that there's people here this morning that would have to say, you know, Pastor, I'm not even praying, let alone have more prayer. God, help them and press upon them this morning that now is the time. No more sugared water. No more just going through the motions. No more just living in comfort zones. God, now is the time for them to step it up, to come to you in prayer, to seek you, to believe in you, to have faith in you, to praise you, and to wait on you, whatever the need is, and to wait for you to aliven their hearts Oh God, the the disciples and those that were in the upper room, they waited about 40 days before you did a mighty work. Father, we may have to wait a while, but we're, we're going to keep praying. We're going to keep pressing through until we see great things happen within our life and great things happen in the life of the Bars Mill Church of God. Lord, help us this morning. Help us this morning, God. May we be sincere. God, we pledge you our lives. We pledge you our lives. We ask this, Jesus help us, help us. Help us as men to take the lead. Help us as men and fathers of the home to lead our families and our wives into times of prayer at home, to where we will raise the standard in our own home, that we will lead the way. Lord, we know that women can be some of the greatest prayer warriors God, I pray that you would impress upon them to dig even deeper, to press in, press in even more, press in ways that we never have before, that you would give us spiritual vision. Lord, give us spiritual prophetic eyes and minds and hearts that we'll be able to see what it is you want to do here at the mill. Not be another statistic. But God, I thank you for what you promised to do. We ask this in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. We're going to sing a song real quick. You know that song, I have decided to follow Jesus. We're going to change that. We're going to sing, I have decided to call on Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Let's sing that. I have decided to call on Jesus. I have decided to call on Jesus. I have decided to call on Jesus. No turning back, no turning. Sing that just one more time. And I have decided to call on Jesus. I have decided 
to call on Jesus, I have decided to call on Jesus, no turning back, no turning Fathers, we are dismissed this morning. I pray that you would impress upon us. God, may we be serious about this. Father, there will be times we won't want to pray. We won't feel like praying. Our emotions and our feelings won't be there. God, may we be men and women of discipline. May we be men and women of integrity who will say, I don't care how I feel. I'm going to get on my knees. I'm going to get my prayer closet. I'm going to get to that place to where I know, God, you're there. And I'm going to pray and I'm going to lift up my prayers to you. God, we want to see you do great things within our midst. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for this service. God, we thank you for the men and the women who have sacrificed so much. They have sacrificed their lives so that we in this country could be free. God, I pray that we would not just easily dismiss that as we eat the burgers and the hot dogs. God, that we would pay special tribute and honor and thank you and thank someone for their service. This morning and this weekend, God. We love you. We praise you, Lord. Thank you for your promises. In Jesus' name we ask this. Amen.